Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. Turn in your Bibles as they're leaving to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I want to talk to you this week, starting a series called Astonishing Grace. Probably going to have to turn me down a little bit. The Bible says this. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, Lord, today, once again, we ask, Father, that you touch us, God, that you fill us with your power, God, that you let your anointing be on a humble servant, Father. Lord, a servant that can do anything, nothing without you. But God, that can do anything when we're in the midst of your presence. And so we pray for your presence this morning in the house. God, it's already here. We ask, God, that you touch us, Father, and it continues to flow like a sweet presence, God, amongst your people, God. Lord, we pray right now, God, that your spirit and your power be upon us, God. That you once more help me to declare the gospel, Father. Lord, I pray that each and every person in this place, God, is touched by your word, is transformed by your power, God. And Lord, helps, Lord, give them the understanding to be touched by your grace, Father. Lord, we praise you, God. We lift you up. Give us ears to hear, Father. But Lord, open our hearts for understanding that we may apply your word to our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. I want to tell you a story about a man named, you thought I was going to say Jed, didn't you? Al-Fayed. I'm going to read it to you this morning, and then we're going to get into the word. There was once a wealthy man named Al-Hafed, Ali Hafed, who lived not far from the river Indus. He was content because he was wealthy, and he was wealthy because he was content. One day... A local priest visited Ali Hafed and told him about diamonds. Ali Hafed heard all about these beautiful diamonds, how much they were worth, how big and how small that they were. And he went to his bed that night, a poor man. He had not lost anything, but he was poor because he was discontented. And he was discontented because he feared he was poor. One day, the man who had... Purchased Ali Hafed's. No, Ali Hafed sold his farm, left his family, and traveled to Palestine. Sounds like he has a Palestinian name anyway. And then to Europe, searching for diamonds. He did not find them. His health and his wealth failed him. He got dejected, and the story says he cast himself into the sea. One day, the man who had purchased Ali Hafed's farm found a curiously looking sparkling stone in the stream that cut through the land. It was a diamond. The man, the farmer, brought diggers in who produced more diamonds, acres of diamonds, in fact. According to this parable, this is where you find the diamonds of Golconda. That's where most diamonds in the world are produced. I don't know if you've ever heard the story Acres of Diamonds, but it was written in 1866, and it is said to be a true story. The farmer in this story is never talked about. 
The farmer in this story is not even named. But I want to give you a different understanding about the story Acres of Diamonds today because I have a question for you. The question is, when did the man that bought Ali Hafed's farm become a multimillionaire? Was it when he discovered the diamonds on his property or when was it when he discovered or when he bought the property? I am here to tell you today that the moment the man acquired the property, he was a multimillionaire even though he did not know it. He wasn't aware. He lived a difficult, pathetic existence until he happened to discover diamonds. What makes the story so interesting to me is you watch this man and he went from having nothing to having so much. But he still continued to live like he had nothing. It was part of who he was. He had lived that way for so long that even though he had millions of dollars, he still was in the mindset of I'm poor. The story goes on to say, if you begin to read it and if you look up Acres of Diamonds, the story goes on to say that the farmer, who again is unnamed, hired a banker to take care of his finances because he did not know how to do it himself. The man lived with this mindset of poverty. He lived in, a, in communication. He, communication. he communicated in a mindset of poverty. And he operated in a mindset of poverty. Even though he was a multimillionaire. It's unfortunate to me today. And the reason that I told you this story is a lot of Christians live with a mindset of poverty, even though they have everything that they need. Do you believe that this morning? I want you to understand that you received everything you need to live in wealth and health through Jesus Christ the day that you got saved, the day that he came into your life, the day that he transformed you. And if you are sitting in this place today and you are not transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, you need to get to an altar of prayer today. I'm not going to beat around the bush. As a matter of fact, I tell you a lot that I'm going to beat the bush. We can't sit in the house of God and not know God. Those days are over. We've got to be serious about him. The process of growing and understanding and living in the light of the benefit of Jesus Christ comes to the believer because we know the Lord. Do you believe that today? Sometimes it becomes difficult. We, get misunder we have misunderstandings or we don't have... We haven't consumed the word of God and therefore we don't have the understanding that God gave us everything that we needed. Everything. He didn't leave out, you know, he didn't have a big spread and leave out the drinks. He didn't have a big spread and get the napkins and the paper towels and, and the plates and put everything on your plate and forget the salt and pepper. God gave you everything that you need. But you know what I see in church people so many times is they feel like they live a life of property. And before you come to know the Lord, no matter how rich you were, you lived a life of poverty. But today you live a life of blessing. You live a life of grace. 
The grace of God is astonishing to me. I can tell you in my own life that the grace of God is astonishing to me. It changed my life. It can change yours. 2 Peter 3.18. We end up living a life of Christian frustration, let me tell you this. Because we don't understand the grace of God. I'm sick in the church of us not understanding the grace of God. So I will go over it with you as many times as it takes for us to get it. The church house would be full if we understood Christian precepts, but we haven't spent time in the word of God. Therefore, we don't know. So, 2 Peter 3.18, once again, in your hearing, but grow, G-R-O-W, in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory both now and forever. In order to understand the grace of God, we have to go to the definition of the grace of God. The definition in the original text is this. It is especially the divine influence upon the heart. It's a reflection in the life, including gratitude, grace, gratitude. It is accept an acceptable benefit of favor. It is the gift of grace and joy. It is the gift of grace and joy. That is just the definition. I can tell you right now, I can preach on the gift of grace and joy for an hour. Because the moment that I took myself, I couldn't take myself. The moment that God lifted me up out of the muck and the mire and the clay and the brokenness that I lived in and I was okay with. God transformed my life and he gave me grace and joy. It is astonishing to me. Is it astonishing to you? And so we have to understand that. I wanted you to understand it so much that I wrote my own definition. Can I read it to you? My definition says this. It is the exhaustible Lord, I, help me right now. I feel the presence of God in this place. It is the ex inexhaustible supply of God's goodness. Where he does for us what he, we do not deserve and could never earn and will never be able to repay. Amen? It's unexhaustible. Why do we live in poverty? Why are we like this farmer in the story? His name is never named for a reason because he could not get a grip on everything that he had, everything that he was given. I want you to understand the grace of God gives you everything that you need. It gives you everything that you will ever want and you do not have to worry anymore. Don't live a life of poverty. Live a life of blessing. You are blessed because you have good health. You are blessed because you have a family that loves you. It is not about the possessions of this world. I don't care if I drive a Cadillac or Ferrari. I need one of those cars that may have may blow tires. You know the car, the tires that may blow any second. I don't care as long as I got something to drive. You may have came in here like that today on those may blow tires, but I want you to understand that you are blessed. And the grace of God is the reason that you're blessed. Now here's what we have to understand along with the definition is you cannot buy grace. You cannot earn grace and you cannot work for grace. There is nothing that you can do to get it. 
except go through Jesus Christ. And listen, church, we've got to get that. Many people, especially Christians, are trying to earn grace. You are trying to earn something that is unearnable. You can't earn it. And the moment that you try to earn it, you cut the grace in your life off. Are you hearing me today? The moment that you try to learn it, you become in, or earn it, you become in direct opposition and contrast with Jesus Christ. Because he said, my grace is free. And he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient, that means all you need. Well, I don't know if that's all I need, Pastor. This is what you get. You've got to have buy-in. You've got to have a belief system that supports what we're talking about in order for you to get what you need. If you sit back on the church pew every Sunday and say, well, that pastor's a little dynamic. You know, he jumps around the front of the church and he gets a little excited every now and then. And every now and then he has this one-liner that I like and I want to write it down. And, but I'm not really sure that I'm picking up what he's laying down. Then you're never going to, listen, you're never going to grow. Therefore, the grace is never going to be exerted in your life. Therefore, it's like a flower in and over burst forth. Amen? It will never be earned because it'll be cut off the moment that you try to earn it. How do we grow in something that is unearnable? How do we acquire the benefit of grace if we cannot earn it? Have you ever asked yourself the question? Because I look over the church world today and I wonder why, you know, why people are like this and why people are like that and why people can't get this concept and why people can't get this grace of God and that. But I see that it's because we have never really asked ourselves the question, well, what do you mean, pastor? We come and sit in church houses. And listen, some of you are avid readers of the Bible. But I want you to understand, when you read the Bible, you are not retaining it because you are not asking yourself how it fits into your life. If you never ask yourself how it fits into your life, then you will never process it through your mind. Therefore, you're setting, you're coming in, you're listening to a lecture, and you're leaving. How do you process the grace of God in your life? This story that I read to you, is just like Jesus Christ. When we come to know him, the Bible says that we found a pearl of great price. Listen, it, it, was, it was, you could sell everything and not be able to pay for it. It was better than anything this world could produce or offer. Are you hearing me? Second Peter first, or chapter 1 takes us into a deeper look. It says this, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. He said, I want grace and peace to be increased unto you. I want grace to be extended and it can be multiplied. The way that it can be multiplied is through the knowledge of our God, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Grace has a dispenser. 
Do you remember when you were a little kid at Christmas time? I don't know about you, but just about every year when I was little, I would get this little thing called a Pez dispenser in my stocking. I would open that. Now, if you see the Pez dispenser, what you see is I always got like Batman or Spider-Man. Or one year I got Tweety Bird and I thought, well, maybe that was for my sister. But anyway, every year they have the Pez dispenser and it has four flavors of candy. Strawberry, grape, cherry, and orange. And every year I would take it out of the pack. And while my dad was trying to fill the Pez dispenser because they're boogers... I would eat all the other candy while he was trying to fill the grape. God is better than that. His dispenser is ten times better than the Pez dispenser. He is ten times better than anything that you can manufacture or produce. And so God is like that but better. The dispenser of the grace is called Jesus Christ our Lord. L-O-R-D. And this poses a problem. Because many people want to know Jesus our Savior, but we don't want to know Jesus our Lord. And when you don't want to know Jesus our Lord, you get into trouble because you got saved, but then you don't have anywhere to go from there because the Lord causes you to change the way that you act, change the way that you look, and changes the way that you do things. Right? And so if we reject Jesus, our Lord, we may have gotten saved, but we're not going to stay saved. Are you hearing me? Listen, that once in grace, always in grace theology that a lot of people believe, that's blown out of the water the moment that Jesus died on the cross. Because you would not need a Savior if you could just say, God, forgive me my sins and go on living however you wanted to live. But I want you to understand that Jesus died on the cross because God knew that you would need a mediator between heaven and earth. Now, the result of not using Jesus our Lord and only having Jesus our Savior is you cut off the supply line to heaven. You cut off the supply line to grace. Let's take it a little deeper. Anybody want to go there? Well, you're stuck because I'm going there. Second Peter 1 and 3 according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The reason why that you want to follow the lordship of Jesus Christ. In order to experience the grace that you already possess. Is he has already granted you. Everybody say granted you. Everything. Say everything. He has granted me everything. Everything that I need, everything that I'll ever want, everything. Listen, he knows the end from the beginning. Does anybody ever think about that concept? He knows the end from the beginning. Well, let me tell you how that works. He is the alpha or the beginning and he's the omega, the ending. So he saw it before it happened and he will see it long before the issue is over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What does everything mean? Nothing left out. When he gives you everything, there is nothing left out. From his divine power, from his divine knowledge, from his divine understanding, you have it all. But you have to get into this book called the Bible. Well, what is that? 
You know, when, when, when I, I almost said when I was in Little League, when, when I was a kid, they would have things at the church and they would say it was like, bring your Bible month. And they would record every time that you brought your Bible. Well, I wasn't going to miss my extra points for not bringing my Bible. But if I ask most people in this room today, did you bring your Bible? They say no. Some people will look through the church because they brought it here and left it here. How can you be reading the Bible if it's at the church house? Well, I got multiple Bibles. I guarantee I go to your house and you can't find them either. Can I get an amen? amen? Now listen, grace must be understood. Not as a theory, not as a theology, but as a relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. Grace is a theology because we teach grace. I'm teaching it to you today. We teach grace, so it is a theology. But if you get caught up on the theology, if you get caught up on the theory, you will never experience the relationship of grace. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, listen. It's as if we would talk about love. You know, I can understand the theology of love and never perform an act of love. Because there's a lot of people that are book smart. Anybody ever met those people? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord of Grace, they will suck the life right out of you. There's this guy that we used to go to church with. He never played basketball in his life. We got a basketball court at our church. And so we get there, and he never played basketball. However, he was an engineer. I find this a lot in the engineering profession. He grabs the basketball, and he begins to dribble, but he's never dribbled before, so he's asking questions. He goes home, I kid you not, Paul, you went to church with him also, I kid you not, he went home and he studied how to dribble a basketball. I, when he came back, and he told me this, the angle has to be right for you to dribble the basketball. I was like, oh no, brother, watch. <laughs> there ain't no certain way to dribble a basketball. You put it in your hand and you bounce it and guess what happens? The air causes it to come back to your hand. But that's not the best part. We play our first game. I pass this man the ball because he's standing right under the basket and he goes like this. And I said, shoot the ball, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to find the proper angle. We've met those people in our lives, haven't we? And they will suck the life out of you because I am a competitor. Now, you may not know by looking at me, but I don't play just to play. We don't play to say good luck. We play to win. I play to win in life. I play to win with Jesus Christ. I play to win. The grace of God is what I have to have if I'm going to win. Amen? This culture where, we, where everybody's a winner is breaking our nation apart. Because we are not teaching anything. Because everybody's a winner. Everybody feels like that they're a winner. And listen, we get on Facebook and people say, I got a thousand friends. 995 of them don't even know who you are. Facebook is the greatest form of ignorance that I've seen in a long time. My wife doesn't like it when I say that. 
Now watch. You can learn about the doctrine of grace without experiencing the grace of the doctrine because it's just a theology. 2 Peter 1 and 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. It's by his divine power, not your divine power. A lot of times we try to do it by our power. It's not going to work. According to as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Are you hearing me? I've only read it four times. This is all that you're supposed to be as a Christian. This is the way that you're supposed to live the Christian life. Amen? With glory and virtue of the divine manner, you should become accustomed to understanding what Jesus wants. His will, his purpose, his understanding comes from reading the word of God. It's all in there. So when people say to me, and this is going to get me in trouble, but that's completely okay. I've got an email address and a card out there. Go ahead and grab it. When people say to me, God has not dealt with me on that. I want to say, but I don't because I'm pastorly. You're a liar. You know why? Because he gave you this book that you were to read and to follow its precepts. So God did deal you deal with you 2,000 years ago when he wrote this book called the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. He did it. And so he is dealing with you. But we as people choose to do what we want to do because we let the culture dictate to us instead of using the grace of God to get through it. Because when you begin to change your life, things become hard. You cannot do it without the faith in God and the grace of God. And so everything comes through the true knowledge of him. God wants to give you, hear me well, everything that he already willed to you the moment that he died on the cross. Do you understand the Bible says that you became heirs with Christ? Because why? Christ was the son of God. Well, if they're all one, how in the world are we heirs with Christ because he was the son are you coming along with me? I ain't got time to preach that. In the old covenant under Moses, you had to do it to get it. Does everybody agree with that? It was always about the conditions. The Old Testament was all about the conditions, all about the law. They all had an engineering degree. Right? Now, does anybody remember reading this in the Old Testament? I will bless you if. That's the Old Testament, right? I will bless you if you follow everything that I tell you. I will bless you if you listen and read and obey the Ten Commandments. I will follow you if. However, we're human beings. And I want you to understand the Old Testament makes a total flip. Because we cannot earn grace. Right? If you earn grace, you will be cut off. 
So there is an extreme flip from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You get it before you've done anything. Watch this, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word Lord again. It means master controller, by the way. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, because grace cannot be earned, everybody in this room has electricity, right? When you built your house or moved into your home, you got an electricity provider. That electricity provider did not walk into your house and decide what they were going to give you electricity for and what they weren't. I, my guy from AEP didn't walk into my house and say, huh, you know, you're only paying $100 a month. You get electric in your stove, but not in your refrigerator. Because that guy would have got a kick in the tooth. And I mean tooth because there's a lot of people without all their, all their teeth. Anyway. But when we, listen, when we connected to our electric supplier, our electric supplier gave us one connection that connected to our whole house. Amen? So Jesus Christ is the same way. The, the power company came and gave you all the benefit you would need. Did they not? So if you add a receptacle to your house and you plug it in, does that mean it's going to cut off the rest of your electric? No, you're going to plug it in. It's going to be just like everything else. So why do we think that Jesus Christ gave us enough electric to run the refrigerator but not the stove? Come on with me. Because he is the master provider. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? And if he is the master provider... Then he gave us everything we need at salvation. Now here's catch. Catch right here. There's the catch. Oh, we're all waiting for the catch. Here's the catch. The catch is this. You have to be a sold out believer. We can't have these mamby-pamby people running around that have, listen, an encounter with Christ. But they don't have a relationship with Christ. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.